Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. The CFO role is changing rapidly, moving from cost controller to strategic visionary. And with every change comes opportunity. We are here to help you take advantage of this transition to win at work, drive your career forwards and lead with confidence. Join Hannah Monroe, Managing Director of ITAS, a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. As usual, I'm your host, Hannah Monroe, and with me today, I have Shauna Moran, who is the founder and managing director of Operate Remote. Welcome. It's lovely to have you on the show. Lovely to be here, Hannah. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up um, doing what you do? Yeah, uh, good question, and a question I've been asked... Uh, recently quite a lot to be honest because um you know everybody is working remotely in the pandemic right so um you know people think is this something that's that you've just come up with since the pandemic has started um and it's actually not it's something that I've been doing for a number of years and uh, I suppose I started I, I mean what I do today and I suppose I should clarify that first is I work with remote organizations to help them build emotionally healthy sustainable and engaged workforces regardless of locations um, but how I started on that journey actually came from my own challenges as a leader in an organization that was managing remote teams and as an individual that was working remotely that wondered what were better ways to do this? What were more sustainable ways to do this? And at the time, I was working for a large multinational organization. I was working remotely from Ireland. And uh, the team that I was working on were based across nine different time zones. Plus, we also had um, an office-based team. So it was a hybrid environment. But of course, back then, nobody was speaking about remote work. In fact, there was little support out there. There was no articles. There was no blogs. And it left me with the question of how do I get more knowledge? So I went, decided to go back to university while I was working and I studied innovation management full time um, or sorry, part time and, and based all of my research around remote teams. That was the the, the starting point for me um, in Operate Remote was, first of all, acquiring that knowledge and that academic knowledge which was really important and to carry out my own research and then I was able to change a lot of the processes and the way things were done within my own team see the improvements of that and then yeah a lot of my clients uh clients that I've I've since taken on um you know started approaching me so a lot of people in my network um that also wanted to go remote or were remote for a number of different reasons but were struggling but, you know, quite quickly on, that consulting piece wasn't enough. And I realized that quite early because, you know, the processes, the technology, the tools, you know, they will only go so far. And I think that is a testament to where a lot of companies are today with the pandemic. We know everybody can work remotely and do their job remotely. But the question lies, can they actually be truly effective and sustainable at doing that? And that's where the mindset piece comes in, I like to call it. Essentially, that's where I come in as a coach. So I'm an accredited coach and consultant. And I, I specialize in that emotional intelligence piece um, to help companies really make that change for the long term. 
So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that mindset piece in a while. But uh, yeah, that's my very long-winded story. <laughs> it's not long-winded to one. It's great to hear that um, you've actually come from having to apply these principles because it's not just about the theory and obviously the research that you've done. Um, and I, I must admit, I've read quite a few of your articles now and it, it's fantastic to see sort of the research side coming through as well. Um, and I guess the one thing, there's a lot at the moment in terms of work from home fatigue. You know, we've been doing this technically, I think it's 11 months of speaking to somebody on the phone early, 11 months of remote working. Um, and I'm not sure that ev- we've actually, apart from the technology, whether people have actually changed the way that they communicate or the way that works. So what can we do to help um, to help either combat or get rid of that um, that fatigue that's happening at the moment? For sure. So I think a couple of different things to point out first, Hannah, that's important. So number one, the fatigue isn't just coming from remote working. This is not a normal remote working environment situation, right? So, you know, a lot of that fatigue is coming from a mixture of different things and no two people are experiencing the same situation right now. You know, um, some people are homeschooling, some people are living alone, some people haven't seen anybody for months on end, right? So no two people are experiencing the same situation, which means there's no one size fits all approach. And remote working to give a bit of context so the research behind remote working before the pandemic shows that remote workers generally are much more productive than their office counterpoints and when you think about it the reasons why it makes sense you know we don't have those interruptions we don't really have those social interactions remote workers can work at a time that suits them um, and they don't have those long commutes those daily commutes now the unhealthy aspect of that is it's it's more difficult to switch off from work so that that research around productivity has transferred over into the pandemic but it's actually created an explosion of a challenge and that is burnout people are struggling struggling to actually switch off from work and so they're struggling to create those healthy boundaries for themselves which is leading to the 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 challenge around burnout you know 70 percent of the workforce have experienced burnout since the pandemic began that's serve uh, survey monkey survey um but so that's just to give a little bit of context so these are not new challenges but of course everything is heightened because we are actually locked down to one location coupled with the fact that all of these remote organizations have had to adapt overnight and okay they might be surviving now but the question is how do they get to thriving so it is it is a case of tra- changing our mindset and there's a couple of different ways i suppose that 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 you can approach it one of the most common things and the easiest kind of quick win solutions that i advise organizations on is look at your communication so if you haven't adapted your communication which you mentioned tana then you're never ever ever going to get on top of the burnout issue because people are just fatigued with meetings their calendars are out of control and they don't have time to actually a do what Cal Newport terms deep work you know the creative work the strategy work and b actually take a breath to actually manage their mental health and so in remote working there's kind of two ways of looking at communication there's the synchronous communication which is what we are doing now Hannah we're communicating in real time And then there's the asynchronous communication. So synchronous, real-time, asynchronous, delayed time. So that would be, for example, when people listen to this back, we're giving them the option to listen to this podcast at a time that suits them. 
when it's suitable for them rather than asking them to be live on this podcast with us in order to listen to it. So the same approach applies to remote teams. How can we create more asynchronous communication so that we can A, reduce the amount of meetings that we're having, B, we can improve the quality of the conversations that we're having in real time and C, we can give people more flexibility. If we give them more flexibility, they'll be better able to manage themselves, their mental health, their chaotic schedules and everything else that's going on in their lives and be more creative and innovative, right? Because they have time to think. Because the way I see so many organizations operating now is meetings back to back to back. People are spending eight hours or more in meetings some days. And then at the end of a day at 5 p.m., they have to do another two hours in order to tick off the to-do list from the meetings that have come from that day. So it's a never ending cycle and it's exhausting. So that's one of the, the, the best ways to look at um, how to be really effective for your whole team at remote working. And that will help reduce the burnout challenges. It will help improve mental health and that will feed into to everything else that you do. So talking about the two different types of asynchronous um, communications, because this is a really interesting point in that um, you talk about people being able to consume communication at a time that suits them. How do you manage that, but also not get to a point where people have a thousand emails to read at the end of the day? And so can you give any top tips for managing communication in those different types? Exactly. So when we think asynchronous communication, we need to think bigger than just email. There's so many great tools out there now that you can use and a lot of quick wins, a lot of tools actually that companies are probably using already, but just not leveraging properly. So the likes of Slack, for example, such and Microsoft Teams, um, you know, very, um, really great instant messaging tools that most companies use in some shape or form right now. There's a way that you can automate communication there. Um, so for example, I worked with a client recently um, who attended one of uh, my team workshops and what they were doing was they were having daily standups every morning and because the team was getting bigger the daily standups were lasting for about an hour every morning now it was still beneficial to get the team together and discuss but at the same time it was that information sharing so it was just sharing that information those facts what are you up to what are you up to today what have you done what are your blockers so instead of having that in real time, what they did was they automated that daily standup in Slack so that those notifications would go out to everybody be- between a certain time frame. So they had a certain time frame to answer it. I think it was between 7 and maybe 11 a.m. But then they would also be able to see the transactional history of what everybody else is doing. So they were able to see that every day. Now, what was really interesting was they knew that the blockers that people were posting in that automation were going to be really important to discuss as a team. So instead of having a daily stand-up every day, they had it twice a week and they only discussed the blockers. So they actually coached and brainstormed solutions to each of their blockers on the calls. So they had two hours worth of calls instead of five hours worth of calls every week. And the conversations were much more meaningful. Um, So that's the type of ways that we need to get curious about, you know, and and what I would advise teams to do and teams, we don't have to try it for the whole company yet, but experiment within your teams. It's going to be different for every team as well. Um, So look at some of those quick wins. The quickest way to look at that is where are we just sharing information versus where do we need actually meaningful discussions and the sharing of information. That's where we can bring in asynchronous communication and not just through email. 
Um, another thing that you can do that a lot of companies don't think about when we look at async communication is improving our written communication. So how many times have you gotten a message on Slack or Teams and somebody's asked you a question, but in order to clarify their question, you have to ask more questions back to them. So they ask you maybe for a report and you say, okay, which report? When do you need it? What does it, what needs to be included, et cetera, et cetera. So then it's back and forth, back and forth to get the answer that you need in the first place to deliver the answer that they need. Um, so one of the best ways to look at that is how, as we as an organization can improve our written communication, what needs to be included? What's a good example of, of how a question should be asked? Um, you know, how do we make it easier for people? Um, to improve that and then for people to digest that information. So there's lots of different ways, you know, you can look at it. There's so many different tools. I wouldn't even go looking at other tools like, you know, because that's just going to overwhelm you. I would look at what are you using right now and how can you leverage those tools in a more um, optimized way? And how can you improve the communication outside of the tools, like the written communication? What should be included? And what are those quick wins where you're sharing information that you can deliver it uh, in a more async way, if that makes sense? Makes absolute sense. And I must admit, you, probably, yeah. you might have been able to see my brain whirring. So I must, um, my team are going to see a slight shift in how we're starting to communicate as well. So that's a really great tip. Um, and I can see, I can definitely see how that could work in terms of updates. Because you're right, you spend a lot of time just gathering information rather than discussing and brainstorming that creative piece, which is where you need people on the call. Absolutely. And think of it from a leadership perspective, right? Like we need to be checking in with our team. How are they doing? How is their mental health? We need to be coaching them and giving them space to bring those conversations to us. So if we collect the information that we usually would have updated each other on in our one-to-ones ahead of time, that means when we have a one-to-one, we can actually just have an open agenda and have that really free-flowing and build that trust and build that relationship and really help each other. Um, so it, 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 it ticks off so many boxes. And and I think the point I when I think about this is about being organized, isn't it? Because um, so much of the way that we're communicating is reactive rather than proactive. And if you're starting to shift that conversation into more of a, um, a, a proactive, this is what I need to talk to my team about, that changes the way that you communicate as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that reactive piece, even on like we have to put ourselves back in the driver's seat of our own time and you know a lot of a lot of individuals I speak to feel like they can't do that within their organization and I always say you know start with just one boundary to protect yourself like maybe it's that switch off time you know from work in the evening start with just one boundary and create and I, I send my clients out over you know a sort of templates that they can use for when they need to stay true to their boundaries so they can copy and paste them you know they're respectful they're kind they're offering other solutions but it's saying you know I'm not going to stretch on my boundary of, of switching off you know at, at 6 p.m every evening that's my one boundary that I have to hold myself accountable to um and I think like in being effective at creating those boundaries we also need to not be as you said Hannah reactive all of the time and there's things that we can do um, for ourselves right it's you know do we have emails and slack notifications and all the project boards on our phone you know are we looking at those in the evening like how are we holding ourselves accountable to that like 
I know that there's, you know, it's a great distraction for people these days. Work is a great distraction. But what is the cost of that? You know, if you're saying yes to looking at your Slack notifications at 9 p.m. on a Monday night, what are you saying no to? You're saying no to yourself, your rest, your peace of mind, probably your mental health. Um, so these things add up over time. So take some control back of, you know, um, of your time and how you're scheduling your time. And like recently I worked with the CEO and immediately I was able to see a massive quick win for him around this, which was how he's scheduling meetings. Beforehand, he would have let everybody have access to his calendar and just schedule. So he had no time for himself, no time whatsoever. And his his calendar was dictated by everybody else. Um, so instead of, of doing that, we set up a calendar link. So simple, but yet so effective. And he decided, OK, I want to be available for my team as much as possible. But I also need two days offline without meetings in order to work on the strategy and the vision as my job as a CEO. So um, we did that. And, you know, his team didn't suffer. In fact, they found it much more helpful um, to use the calendar link. Um, and actually his availability, they found, was was greater than before. So, and when he was having those conversations, he felt like he was much more in tune. And, you know, he was there, he was present because, uh, you know, it was the time that suited him. So that you know, it's how can we leverage tools to support us in that, in creating those boundaries? There are so many different tools, but, you know, I know there's probably a lot of people out there struggling and, and there's probably people listening to this that are experiencing burnout. You know, I have a conversation about burnout every single day. So start with just one boundary. I think that's a great sort of self-care. And I think there is, like you say, there's a there's a there's a natural instinct to want because of we're all, all remote working to be switched on all the time and to when something comes in oh you know to try and almost justify that you are working and that you're online um, and you're doing something and I think like you said you know taking time for yourself and your mental health is so important especially at the moment oh so important yeah so that's brilliant from sort of a self perspective. But what about managing teams? So how do you support a team during this time? Because everyone's got so many different things going on, whether it's childcare challenges or, um, you know, uh, just trying to fit in day to day life in amongst everything that's happening. So how can you support a team um, to, to, to not hit that burnout? What sort of things, strategies should you put in place as a leader if you're managing a remote team? Great question. So to your point, Hannah, you know, about, um, you know, you mentioned how people feel like they should be online to say, hey, I'm here, I'm doing things. That's one of the first places that a leader can start is really clarifying, you know, for each team member, how you as a leader and how the organization is measuring performance right now. Um, and it should be not around input not about the number of hours you're putting in but the output what are those deliverables so helping clarify expectations across the board and helping to your team prioritize their workloads I'm a huge fan now of you know focusing on quality over quantity you know what are the top three things that we want to achieve this quarter right um what are those how does that work you know daily like what's the one thing that you need to focus on today as opposed to what are the 10 things 
because I don't think that's realistic anymore. So helping them prioritize, helping them get clarification on what they should be doing, how it should look, and helping them understand how they can measure their success during this time in a realistic way. Because what that does is it takes the psychological fear away. So the psychological fear is, am I doing enough? Does everybody think I'm doing enough? You know, am I okay? Do people know now that because my kids are at home and I'm homeschooling that I haven't really been fully switched on and oh, I better do an extra couple of hours this evening. And it builds up. We're in what I call the remote rabbit hole. We're in our own minds thinking, you know, um, you know, all these different things that aren't necessarily true. So we give we can help our team by giving them that clarity and information so that they can reality test for themselves. And I think it's having a discussion around that, you know, how like is that realistic how do you see this being realistic for you how do you see this working for you what are the ways that I need to support you what are the ways that we need to support you as a team what are the ways we need to support you as an organization asking those open-ended questions and inviting discussion that's that's the 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 most important thing um because we have to compromise you know we have to find that common ground together as a team and um, the second thing leaders need to do, which often is overlooked, is to lead by example. So if you're a leader that is trying to promote um, better mental health within your organization or your team, or you're trying to reduce burnout, and you yourself are working and sending emails late at night, or you know at the weekend, I've seen leaders do this, um, or you are tagging people in Slack or notifications after working hours, and, or and you are not actively practicing what you preach, then your team are not going to follow suit. That's the number one thing. So if you're burnt out as a leader, solve that first. We need to put on our own oxygen mask first, just like they tell us um, to do as adults. You know, put on your own oxygen mask before the kids on the plane. Right? It's the same thing with this. Because if you as a leader, if your cup isn't full, how how are you supposed to serve anybody else? How are you supposed to show up for your team? You can't. So you have to figure that out yourself um, and you have to work on that first so that then you can start to give your energy to other people. Um, so like I've seen this time and time again with leaders, you know, CEOs approach me, my team are burnt out, I've lost, you know, I've our employee retention numbers are 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 terrible, you know, we're, we're losing people left, right and center. And that's the first place I start with that founder, with that CEO, with that leadership team. And even I worked with a, a company recently and I'm working directly with their head of HR to roll out remote first policies and procedures and, and mindset changes within the organization. And one thing that they've created is, you know, taking mental health days. So when their employees feel overwhelmed, whatever they're feeling, they can take an afternoon, they can take a day um for themselves like that is okay but nobody was taking it nobody was doing it even though they needed it until the head of HR herself who has a big team has a big department she said look guys I need to take the afternoon I need a mental health day and she's actively started practicing what she preaches and now everybody feels comfortable to do so themselves so people are happier they're more sustained so there's there's so much 
you have so much of an influence as a leader and I don't think leaders always necessarily recognize that or they think just because they're working remotely and nobody can really you know physically in person see them that you know they don't have that much influence but more now so than ever they do I think that's a really great point because you know we have a duvet we call it duvet day so that day when you just don't want to you just don't want to get out of bed and you just need a day doing absolutely nothing um, but yeah, you're right. I, I can't remember. I haven't taken one yet. So that's that's a really good point in terms of embedding that into the culture. You've got to lead by example. And I think it's, um, I must admit, I, I learned the hard way not to, I, I very I try not to send uh, Teams messages out if I can avoid it. Because yeah, people, even though you tell them not to, they will still respond at Celia Clark. So how do you balance the the shift, obviously, because people are working flexible hours, so not everybody's working at the same time, but they still need to communicate. So how do you manage that as a team? And how did you manage it when they were working across different continents in different, you know, different areas of the world? Yeah, I think the first, you know, protocol for any leader in that situation is to have that discussion with the team. So for example, with your team, you know, you said you learned the hard way, you know, after this conversation, you know, maybe it's a case that you have a team conversation and discussion around this to say, look, guys, you know, this is really important stuff. And, you know, here, are, here's how we're, we're, we hold ourselves accountable to this. And here are some boundaries that I recommend you guys put in place. Here's what I've put in place for myself to protect myself. So we work in a flexible way. So how do we hold each other accountable to that? Um, you know, and, and let the team come up with the the solutions for that, right? Because it's only the team that knows. Some some teams will create a common language around that, right? So they'll they you know everybody will will agree to not have notifications on their on their devices on their mobile devices, and you know everybody will create transparency and you know put the information out there around their times and their fl- flexible working hours. You know, I've even worked with some amazing remote first organizations that have created little profiles for everyone. So here's, you know, here typically are the hours I work. Here's where I do my deep work. Here's where I'm usually the best at the best time for and available for meetings and for calls. Um, here's when I pick my kids up from school. So, I, you know, I can't really take calls then. Um, and it just gives that lovely transparency to to the team so that I know if I'm booking a meeting with Hannah, I know that her creative time is from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the morning, but she loves taking calls in the afternoon from one to three. Um, now that's a little bit more advanced and not every team is there. So I think that starting point is that discussion. And um, because what we don't want is you or, or any leader um, having those discussions with the team and saying, how come you answered that email at that time? And then you are holding everybody accountable to it. It's a shared responsibility. So if you say yes to that email, what are you saying no to? And that's you know bringing in those powerful questions. If we say yes to overworking, what are we saying no to as a team? What are we saying no to for ourselves? And let people have those changes of those aha moments you know those light bulb moments okay I get it right and then it's how can we hold each other accountable to this because this stuff is really important and at the end of the day we love our jobs we love our company we love what we do we enjoy working here but you know 
we're we're in organizations right we're not in hospitals we're not we're not saving lives these things aren't urgent urgent it's not life or death so it's to put that into perspective for everybody and for them to agree on it when i get my clients to do that with their teams it it, it becomes it becomes a shared responsibility you'll have people saying hey man i know you sent that email last night but like we've agreed that you know uh we're not going to do that right so yeah that shared responsibility is key and and that ownership like you know if somebody refuses to actually switch off for themselves or or somebody you know wants to continue to work off their phone all night um then there's you know there's nothing much you can do about that um if they haven't seen the 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 pros and the negatives the negatives to that the cost of doing that and I guess it's just keeping an eye on them so that when they do hit, because you, you do see it and you feel it in mm. their voice and the way that they communicate when they're starting, you're saying, well, look, actually, I think just try it. You know, just take a week off emails and see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, a good leader will be switched on to those um, those flags that come up. Right. You know, and I like I worked with a leader recently and his team are, are doing quite well, but he knows that, you know, he's hired a couple of new people. He knows that this is their first time out of at a university in, you know, a full time organization. And they've never they've never been in the workforce before. So he knows with that, especially in the current climate, that there could be, you know, a, a risk that they will overwork themselves so it's up front he's decided to have a conversation an open conversation and discussion around work-life balance and what does work-life balance mean to them what does that look like what what makes that important to them so it's having that conversation generating that awareness so you'll have the people that are aware of this and then you'll have the people who are not aware of this so we have to meet both so what else can leaders do to support their teams that are, you know, working remotely and try and, you know, help prevent that burnout piece? Yeah, so um, I think just just summarising what I've said already. So helping them really understand what they should be working on, what that looks like, you know, how they're measuring the success of that helping them get super clear on what their priorities are and um, looking at ways that they can introduce asynchronous communication to reduce the need for constant meetings, leading by example, having those open coaching conversations. So creating the space and the time. Um, I think the, the most important piece on that is as a leader, it's not your job to fix. Like there's plenty of things that you're not going to be able to fix. Number one, you're not a mental health professional. Number two, you're not, you know, accredited probably in how to optimize time management, right? So there's lots of things that that you do not need to fix. So what 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 are we left with? What's our responsibility in that? A lot of the time where the the most um impact comes from is being there, showing up asking the right questions and actively listening and being curious so not trying to have you tried this have you tried that it's what could what what could you try over the last 12 months we've been doing this a long time you've learned a lot of different things that works for you what doesn't what could you try what's one thing that you could try that will help you feel better today what's one thing that i could do that will 
you know, help you feel better today? How can I support you? So that's, that's where the magic is. Um, and that's, that's all you need to do and show up when you show up with that empathy. And when you were in that moment, not I 15 minutes, uh, everything. Okay. Okay. Great. You know, it's, can you slow down enough to be in that moment with, with your team member on a one-to-one basis? And you know what, everything you've said today all comes from the leadership. And I think that's the really interesting piece is that obviously there's an engagement piece and that you've got to allow your team, but actually it's driven by the behaviours at the top. So I think um, hopefully everyone listening to this is, go, is, is having a good hard look at their own behaviours and uh, thinking, you know, I certainly am about how they're working. So um, I, I can't believe we are, we were almost 30 minutes into this podcast and it has just disappeared. So um, I guess my, 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 my last and final question, middle question, maybe, maybe I'll sneak one more in, um, is what are those that are really thriving in this remote work doing? Is there anything that they are doing that's maybe slightly more advanced than some of the things that you're talking about? that is taking what's the next level what does what what does amazing look like in terms of remote work yeah that's a great question I'm fortunate to um have you know to work with a lot of these companies that you know I call remote first so you know when the pandemic started um you know they they committed to remote work they said you know what we're going to get rid of the office we're going to go forth with remote work for the foreseeable future and we're going to commit to improving and getting better and being a remote first company not just we work remotely but everything is optimized around remote work um our mindset our processes our tools our technology so what are they doing they're constantly seeking for ways to improve that's number one they they're open to adapting and with that comes a completely different mindset as an organization And with that, you also create a different experience for your team because their opinions matter, their feedback matters. And most importantly, their feedback gets actioned. You know, there's a follow-up. So these organizations are continuously getting a pulse as to where people are and they're adapting. You know, I'm not I'm not saying and I don't think it's possible that any organization has said, okay, we're going to do it this way and it's going to be the same for the next six months. We have to adapt all of the time, all of the time. You know, these remote first companies I work with, they're constantly revisiting the things like their employee benefits. They're constantly revisiting things like, you know, their flexible work policies. They're constantly looking at their communication. What other ways can we improve? So they're not just given the yoga workshops and the meditation workshops, which I believe have a place in this in this in this world. But they're getting to the roots issues and the root causes. They're not just putting the plaster over it. Right. So that's that's the difference. And they're committed to doing it. They see that remote working is an investment worth making long term. And, you know, that regardless if they have a hybrid approach in the future or not it's still going to be remote first a lot of the processes that they use they're going to they're going to need to use them so i think that's that's the main difference that i'm seeing with these remote first companies um around what they're doing they're not they don't have that fixed mindset of let's just let's just try and survive this let's just not change anything um and let's just continue to 
dangle the carrot of the future office coming back because I know a lot of teams are a lot of leaders are trying to use that as a way to motivate their team which I get too but yeah it's just a shame that that's the motivation rather than necessarily being something to get excited about but not necessarily drive things moving forwards yeah so exactly and I, I think there's a some really interesting points in what you're saying there. And I think it's about not just lifting and shifting what you do in a a normal office. It's actually reimagining and rethinking the concept of work with a remote workforce in mind. Exactly. And the quickest way to get a pulse as to where you guys are at right now is to speak with your team and to create those places for feedback, to collect the data within your team. Because no two organizations are the same. So, um, you know, I see a lot of businesses now, they're, they're concerned about the future and what it's going to bring. And I, I get that, you know, a lot of people are. But they're focused on creating hybrid policies of when we're back in the office, this is how it will work. Everybody has to be in two days a week and then they work from home the other days a week. And while I understand that, I do. Um Regardless of what that's going to look like, and nobody can say exactly what that's going to look like, instead of putting your energy in something that might happen, how about putting your energy into the challenges that your team are facing today? Because that's what's hold of what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I think it comes back to this is actually quite a nice roundup. It's it's about not just trying to survive the remote working piece, but actually how do we make it a, a great experience and how do we prove that it, it's got legs for, you know, when 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 we do have the option to go back to the office and then I guess giving people a choice as to whether that's something they want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And like the other thing I've, I've dived into the research as well, you know, a lot of people they most people don't want to go back to what it looked like before the pandemic they don't want to go back to the daily commutes and the office five days a week so based on that research alone that tells us there's a place for remote work in the future that it's not really going to go anywhere sure it'll look a little bit different and um, but based on that what are you doing as an organization to future proof the way that most people are going to work in some form in the future. Yeah, and I think um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I love a stat. You can't beat a stat. I think when I um, I saw one recently that said something along the lines of if um, if forty eight percent of people who don't have the option of remote work would shift jobs. So I think we all just need to acknowledge that this isn't this isn't a phase, but you know it was maybe accelerated by COVID. But we are now, you know, this has become part of our reality. And I think we all just need to shift with it and uh, make make it work and make the most of it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that that leads on to other discussions or thoughts for, for organizations is what does flexibility look like? Right. I read an article. I think I read the same stat. And, um, you know, it said the rise of the likes of Airbnbs and travel in the future because people don't want to necessarily work from one location. So there's plenty of things that that companies can be thinking about, but you know we can we can jump on the you know the next idea or worry too much about the future. But based on the work that I do, the the endless conversations that I have with people in this industry, it's start where you are today, collect that feedback, 
and create a plan to help your team sustain themselves and thrive right now and everything else will fall into place it will and and because you're used to adapting it will it will uh you know it will um you'll get there sorry no, watch <laughs> that's all right it's, it's reminding you you've probably got to go for a you know take a break take 15 minutes get some fresh air <laughs> yeah exactly reminded me that the puppy needs to get out <laughs> <laughs> I have that same problem. Uh, for those that you're listening, you you might hear her appear on a few of these podcasts in future. So uh, yeah, she only arrived yesterday. So well, um, that that's a fun and games. Oh, congratulations! A puppy is one of the best things that you can do to hold yourself accountable to breaks uh, when you're working remotely. So <laughs> yeah, they don't quite understand the concepts of teams. So <laughs> you have to still no. stick to your schedule. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Shauna. It's been fabulous. And and I loved your your ending comment about the rather than work from home, whether it's work from anywhere. And what does that mean for the future, you know, the future finance office? Will we even have an office? I think that's a that's a really interesting piece and where we will be working in the next sort of 12 to 18 months. So if our listeners want to learn more about what you do and what you and the team at Operate Remote do, what's the best way to get hold of you? Best way to get hold of me is to head on over to our website, operateremote.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram at operateremote. And uh, yeah, you can email me at info at operateremote.com. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining on the show. It's been fabulous. And uh, yeah, um, it's been it's been great to get so many hints and tips about um, working remotely, avoiding burnout. burnout. Thank you so much for having me.